Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The wishing and hoping and thinking and praying edition. As we look back at a frustrating afternoon in Oakland that saw the Bengals fall to 0-10 with a seven-point loss to the Raiders. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room comments from players and coaches, and Dave Lapham will join me for post-game analysis. Plus, in this week's Fun Facts conversation, we'll meet the person under the pads as I'll talk to veteran offensive lineman John Jerry. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since unsliced bread. Yeah, I know that's not how the saying goes. The common phrase, the best thing since sliced bread, as a way of hyping something new, supposedly started back in the 1930s as an advertising slogan for Wonder Bread, the first commercial manufacturer of pre-wrapped, pre-sliced bread. But I'm a big toast-in-the-morning guy, and I like to slice mine a little thicker, especially if it's a loaf of bread from the geniuses at Blue Oven Bakery. Trust me, a thick slice of their Seedy McSeed or Bad Boy, two of my favorite Blue Oven breads, make for a very tasty breakfast. Now let's get to the game. Ryan Finley's second NFL start did not get off to a good start as he coughed up the pig on Cincinnati's fourth play from scrimmage. Finley ready for the shotgun snap. He catches the ball. He's back to throw, forced to scramble. The ball gets knocked out from behind. It is loose at the 29, and the Raiders recover. The fumble was forced by Raiders rookie Max Crosby. Remember the name. The Raiders quickly drove into the red zone, but the Bengals' defense answered with a huge play. First and 10 at the Cincinnati 17. They give it to Jacobs again. Gaping hole right up the middle of the field. He loses the ball. It's scooped up by the Bengals in Vigil. And Vigil makes it out to the 15-yard line as the Bengals punched it away from Jacobs and get the ball right back in the red zone. Josh Tupo forced the fumble and the Bengals immediately went on a 12-play, 85-yard drive to take the lead. Finley under center, Mixon waiting back at the 11, hands on knees. Toss sweep to the right, and Joe Mixon spins around, stays on his feet, running toward the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals, as Joe Mixon comes home to the Bay and runs it in for the first time this season. It's the first rushing touchdown by somebody other than then Andy Dalton. And it was all him. That marked just the second time this year that the Bengals have had a 7-0 lead. That was also the case in Baltimore when Brandon Wilson returned the opening kickoff for a touchdown. The Bengals have never led by more than seven points this season. And their seven-point lead in Oakland disappeared in the second quarter. Offset eye behind Derek Carr on third down and one at the Cincinnati 2. Carr under center, fakes a handoff, looks to throw, lobs it back to the left, and it's caught by Foster Moreau. Nobody within 10 yards as he makes the catch for the Raiders' touchdown. Carr completed his first 14 passes, and one play after he finally threw an incompletion, the sixth-year quarterback used his legs to give the Raiders the lead. Third down and goal from the three. Carr waiting for a shotgun snap. He retreats, he looks to throw. 
Now he will try to take off and run, and Derek Carr oh. leaps toward the end zone and makes it in for a Raiders touchdown. With eight seconds left in the half, Randy Bullock was wide left on a 53-yard field goal try, and the Raiders had a 14-7 lead at the break. The Bengals' offense was sputtering, but on the Raiders' first drive of the third quarter, the defense got another takeaway. One deep safety in the middle of the field, Carr back to throw, chucks it oh, over the middle, and baby. it's picked off by Bates. Jesse Bates, Ooh. his second in his many weeks, and the Bengals will take over at the 46-yard line of Oakland. How about Jesse Bates reading that thing out? Going to the middle of the football field, Jesse Bates says, I got gotcha. you. Bates' interception led to a Bullock field goal that made it 14-10. to Here's Jesse on the play of the Bengals' defense. It just shows that, I mean, a lot of guys aren't giving up. Um, a lot of guys are still feeding into what Zach is telling us, and it's about us. Uh, there's a lot of people that says we're the worst defense in the league, and then we come out and, you know, show what we can do. So um, it sucks that we're not winning, um, but it is, you know, it's a good feeling to, you know, see that we're playing some good defense. It was a four-point game going to the fourth quarter, and even after the Raiders kicked a field goal, the Bengals were within one score. Cincinnati had three possessions in that final quarter, but couldn't figure out a way to give Finley max protection. Finley back to throw, hit from behind, and sacked. John Jerry's man, Max Crosby, beats him again and sacks Ryan Finley. Bengals snap it quickly. Finley in trouble, and Crosby will sack Ryan Finley on cue, his third sack of the game. Takes the shotgun snap, retreats to the 12. He's in trouble, and he gets sacked. Ball's out. The ball comes out. The Bengals recover at the 10. Max Crosby strikes again. Fourth sack of the day. Four sacks for fourth-round draft pick Max Crosby. Three in the fourth quarter. Despite that, the Bengals had a golden opportunity, down by seven with roughly five minutes to go. On third and four at the Oakland 27, Finley threw a pass that would have given Cincinnati a first down near the red zone, but it was flat out dropped by Giovanni Bernard. That forced the Bengals to go for it on fourth and four. Erickson, Eifert, and Boyd go out to the left. Willis and Bernard out to the right. It's an empty backfield with five wide. Shotgun snap, Finley. Flinging it deep for Willis, oh. and it is incomplete at the two-yard line. There were two defenders nearby. The Bengals went for the deep ball, and it's incomplete for Damian Willis. Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert were both open for a possible first down on the play, but Finley elected to go deep, and the Bengals never threatened again. Finley finished 13 for 31 for 115 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, and a passer rating of 39.0. He was sacked five times, dropping the Bengals' net passing yardage total to 73. Tyler Boyd, the Bengals' best healthy receiver, was targeted three times and had one catch for zero yards, but he expressed sympathy for the rookie quarterback. Oh man, it's tough, you know, because the quarterback position is the hardest position on the field. You know, he got to know checks, he got to know uh, when 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 to check and uh, protection. He got he got to know everything, you know. So um, for me to uh, talk about it, it's really hard, you know, because uh, again, uh, that position is, is tough, you know. And uh, I feel that he'll be he'll get better each and every week. You know, just this week was uh, down for all of us, you know, not just him. But um, we definitely got to make a lot more plays to win games. The final score, Oakland 17, Cincinnati 10. The Bengals are 0-10, matching the 1993 team for the worst start 
in franchise history. Going back to last year, they've dropped 12 in a row, and that's the longest losing streak in team history. Here are Alex Erickson and C.J. Uzama. We're fighting, um, fighting for our pride. We're just fighting for that first win, and um, you know, it's the battle this up to this part's been tough, and obviously we haven't had much go our way, and just haven't been able to find a way to win. And uh, so we're just fighting to try to find that win. I, you know, it's been it's been a challenge, everything emotionally, physically. Um, you know, it's it's hard because we put a lot into it, and we we're, we're doing everything we can to win. And um, you know, we're just not there yet. The reality is, we're not getting it done, and we're not making those plays, and we're not doing what it takes to to win. And no finger should be pointed because no one player is in this locker room, and they know that. I mean, we know that no one player is playing 100%. You know, we're we're having one play here, one play there, and, and it's each of us. So um, it, it's more of a we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and figure out. You know how, how we can correct it, how we can just get our crap together, like our personal um, things that we need to get together and, and, and you know come together as a team and, and get the job done. There were a couple of bright spots. The defense played well enough to win, and for the second straight week, the running game was outstanding. Joe Mixon finished with 86 yards on 15 carries, and the Bengals finished with a season-high 173 rushing yards. I talked to Mixon after the game. Team ran for more than 170 today, Joe, after 150-something last week. Do you feel like you've got that part of the game ironed out? Uh, honestly, not for real. It wasn't enough. Uh, we should have definitely had more, but, I mean, it is what it is. We figure, we got to figure it out and got to get better. Like I said, it wasn't enough for us to win the game. You had 86. You scored your first rushing touchdown of the year. You did it close to home. Describe that feeling. Uh, it was a feeling like no other, you know what I'm saying? Uh, blessed to be in this position to play in front of the home crowd and, um, you know, try to display, you know, what I've been used to doing. And uh, that's balling out, but uh, came up short and, uh, you know, we lost. So, you know, it's not really a good feeling, you know what I'm saying? But it is what it is. Guys jumped ahead 7 nothing. It was uh, a tight game throughout. Did you have that feeling that, Man, if we could just make one play, this is the this is the day we pull it out. Easily, for sure. I mean, they 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 pulled it out. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's frustrating, um, honestly, about what happened. But they pulled it out, and uh, we definitely left left some plays out there that wish we could take back. But it is what it is. Got to get better. Sadly, uh, Auden Tate's injury cast a pall over the locker room. I'm sure that one is uh, bothering everybody in this room. No, it definitely is. Uh, Tay made a huge uh, conversion. Um, that probably was one of the biggest plays of the game, and that kept us alive. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it sucks, you know, to see a player go down, especially him. And, uh, you know, a player we needed. But, I mean, we fell short and wish we could get it back. So it was Ryan's second start. Some growing pains. I guess that's to be expected. Uh, what, would you, what do you say to him at this point? Um, I mean, can't. Leave it up to him, you know what I'm saying, to uh, win the games. We definitely have opportunity to win, but, I mean, it's the same thing every week. Falling short, and uh, it's frustrating, but we just got to get better. You know, it wasn't enough uh, to get it done. Um, you know, it sucks to say. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I really don't know what to say because, um, you know, everybody has been the same thing every week, you know what I'm saying? So. It's definitely frustrating. Uh, everybody know we got to get better, 
and you know it sucks to be in this position uh, but you got to overcome it and you got to get better following up on my question for joe about auden tate the bengals wide receiver was able to travel home with the bengals after the game and was in the locker room on monday no longer wearing a neck brace according to zach taylor tate has a cervical strain and is in concussion protocol. Speaking of Zach, he spent three and a half minutes with Lap after the game. This is the fifth game that's been decided by a touchdown unless and unfortunately none have gone your way. With the Raiders, the flip side of it, it's their seventh and they've won six of them. So, you know, they, they, uh, they're, they're tough to beat down the stretch, particularly at home. They are. You know, we, we just we got to do more to generate a little more offense in the fourth quarter and give ourselves a chance because our defense came out in the second half and held them to three and really did a lot of things we asked him to do. And uh, so it's frustrating that we couldn't get it done. Uh, every coach on this play- team, every player on this team kept fighting through that fourth quarter and believed we were going to get it done, and it just wasn't enough. Max Crosby gets four quarterback sacks, and um, it's, uh, I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely interesting to watch with his hands and everything, but I know that has to be frustrating where, you know, a guy like that picks up four quarterback sacks. Yeah, it is. You know, we got to do a better job up front, and, and uh, we got to help those guys, you know, as a play caller, and, and that's frustrating to see that. Uh, you got your running game going to the tune of over 170 yards. You know, Joe Mixon uh, had over 80 of them on 15 carries. So I mean, it continues, uh, the, the running game continues to arrow up for you. Is that a good sign, obviously? It is. You know, it's, uh, I think we're training in the way that you want to play football. Defense swarming to the ball and creating some turnovers and on offense establishing the run game. It's just we've got to do a better job with our play actions and our nakeds when we get them called, executing them and um, creating some explosives that way. But overall, I think we're, we're turning in the right direction there in the run game. Auden Tate, I don't know how much you can you can fill us in, but that that's as a, as a player, I mean, I, I always hated when, you know, a cart came out there and took somebody off the football field and uh, – so, you know, Auden was in that, in, in that situation, but it looked like he was moving everything, which was a good sign. And I know you, caution is the name of the game. You want to err on the side of caution. Can you give us any update on Auden Tate? It sounds like um, he, he's left the hospital, and we'll see if we get him back there tonight in Cincinnati. But um, that's encouraging to see, but I don't have a lot of information outside of that. But he might be able to travel back? Well, we'll I'll find out. I'm, I'm kind of just getting first word of that, but um, hopefully that's true. So your, your defense uh, comes in to, to Oakland. They, they'd given up 12 sacks on the season, and the defense gets three. They'd given up eight turnovers, fourth fewest in the NFL. Your defense gets two. You know, defense holds them to 17 points. I mean, defensively, the overall effort you have to be pretty pleased with. I was. I, I thought, especially in the second half, it was very encouraging. I know the quarterback got off to a hot start there to start the game. Um, but to hold them to three points in the second half on the road, that's that's going to give us a chance to win. And uh, so that was encouraging to see from them. We talked to Ryan a little bit, and obviously he's pretty disappointed and, um, you know, didn't didn't offer a whole lot, and, and understandably so. Was Paul Gunther, did he do anything differently? Did he increase his blitz percentage, his load-in-the-box percentage or anything like that, or he just did he do what Paul Gunther does? No, it was pretty much the defense we expected to see, and we just have to do a better job executing. That's, that's what it boils down to, getting plays made when they're there, huh? It is. Yeah, that's that's frustrating when it doesn't happen. So overall, you know, Ryan, like I said, he's he's pretty uh, not not pleased with his performance. I guess you you always hope to have, you know, the first first game be a building block and build from there. Obviously, this one didn't turn out like anybody had hoped. No, it was hard. You know, it was a game we came in expecting to win and we didn't get it done. And so that's a frustrating flight home. Before we got on the plane, Lap and I spent a few minutes discussing what happened. 
The Bengals ran for more than 170 yards in this game, but when you factor in sacks, they had 73 yards in the passing game. Obviously, that's not going to get the job done. It's not, particularly in today's NFL. There's no question about it. I mean, you know, some of the, the, the yards rushing were scrambles by Ryan Finley once up the gut for over 20 yards when he caught them in man coverage and found a lane. And one time on a, you know, a, a naked came outside the pocket and took it upfield for over 20 yards. But still, with that said, Joe Mixon, 15 carries over 80 yards. I think the adjustment that they've made in the running game where they have some gap plays, you know, they'll uh, they'll pin and pull, you know, pin down linemen and pull others is, is paying dividends. And, you know, they're mixing it in now with the inside-outside zone stuff. So I think defenses are a little bit off balance with it. And they're they're steadily building on the on the running game, but the, the passing game is, is going in the opposite direction. So, I mean, really, you hold a team to 17 points on the road defensively. Special teams did their job. Running game, I mean, it boiled down to the Bengals did not get enough in the air. They didn't make enough plays to win this football game, and it's uh, basically lack of execution on their side as much as anything. We might have some fans of Miami University or Ohio University watching this segment. They remember Max Crosby from Eastern Michigan. He used to terrorize the Mac. He had 20 sacks over the last two seasons. It felt like he had 20 today. Four sacks from Max Crosby shouldn't happen. Flat out, period, shouldn't happen. I mean, you know, at some point, if, if you have a guy that's giving you that kind of trouble, you're going to have to give him some, give a tackle some edge, some help with a, you know, you have an edge rusher that's that's winning, and have to chip and things like that, slide the line, do some things. But Max, Max he, he should not just beat offensive linemen for four quarterback sacks. I, I don't care what the situation is. You know, that that's unacceptable. And uh, that, that was, you know, one of the reasons why the Bengals struggled so much in the throwing the football. I mean, he was, uh, Ryan Finley was under duress more than he should have been, to be quite honest. It's getting noisy here at the Coliseum. Let's quickly touch on the Bengals' defense. Josh Tupo forced a fumble that was recovered by Nick Vigil. Jesse Bates had an interception for the second consecutive week. They had a lot of tackles for loss and three sacks in this game. It was one of the better performances the defense has had this year. Right, and when you look at it, I mean, the Raiders, they'd only given up 12 sacks. Uh, fourth fewest in the NFL, the Bengals got three. They'd only, uh, they'd only uh, given up eight turnovers. Again, top five in the NFL, the Bengals got two in this in this football game. So defensively, there was some improvement. I thought there was some movement up front with the defensive line that was causing the mammoth offensive line of the Raiders, you know, problems. They're behemoths. They're 6'6", 335 plus on an average basis. You can't just stand there and take them on. And the Bengals did a good job of hitting some gaps and, and moving some people, uh, moving some people around. And, and uh, they did, they accumulated, you know, over a handful of tackles for loss to go with three quarterback sacks. If the season ended today, the Oakland Raiders would be a playoff team after going 4-12 and a year ago. Perhaps the Bengals can have a turnaround like that next year, but this year they are 0-10. And the reason that they're in that situation, the seventh time this year, the Raiders have had a game decided by a touchdown unless they've won six of them. By eight points unless they've won six. The Bengals have been in that situation five times. 0 for 5. Got to win some close ones to be competitive in the National Football League. Up next, a home game against the Steelers in their first game after the Mason Rudolph-Miles Garrett incident. The Steelers quarterback has his helmet back, but he won't have his Pro Bowl center since Marquise Pouncey was suspended for three games for punching and kicking Garrett. The Steelers have beaten the Bengals nine straight times. Now time for this week's Fun Facts interview where we get to know the person under the pads. 
This week, it's a 33-year-old offensive lineman who is delighted to be back in the NFL after being out of football last year. Time for some fun facts with offensive lineman John Jerry from Batesville, Mississippi, originally. Population approximately 7,500. What's a kid do for fun growing up in Batesville? Uh, you play football. I mean, that's one thing about it. When Friday night lights going on in my hometown, everything shut down. <laughs> and your high school is a powerhouse. When you were there, they had a winning streak of 89 games, the third longest in high school football history. Right, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, um, I think I won the first four to five of that, so something <laughs> definitely to be proud of, uh, look back on, and probably something that probably won't never be broken in the state of Mississippi. We're doing fun facts with John Jerry. You're from a big family, right? Right, yeah. I have um, six brothers and one sister. <laughs> Pretty big family. And people might recognize one of your older brothers, Pere, who was a first-round draft pick by the Atlanta Falcons, spent five years in the NFL before he had some injuries. You two shared a bedroom as kids, correct? Yeah, that that'll be correct. Yeah, we definitely um, shared a bedroom, shared bunk beds, and until we grew up a little bit. <laughs> we didn't take us long to grow up out of that, though. What kind of battles were there between the Jerry boys? Uh, too much one anything personal battles, just, you know, type of typical motivation things and doing stuff like that. Uh, my mom didn't put up with us um, going at each other. She didn't, She wasn't going for that. Was she tough? Oh, yeah, she was definitely tough. So after high school, you spent a year at Hargrave Military Academy. How regimented is student life at Hargrave Military? Uh, it can be difficult if you make it difficult. But at the same, as I look back on it now, I think that was probably the best year of my life because um, coming from high school, not doing well academically and just learning how to do things in structure, I think that really helped me out and propelled me for, uh, for longevity. Early wake up uniforms, right. bed right. check, the whole bit? Well, oh, yeah, you got all that. You know, formation, you march to breakfast, you march to lunch, you march to dinner. Um, it's, I mean, it's kind of basically like jail. You know, you got we got our own restroom, and everybody, we had to make notes and um, put each, rotate the list each week, and um, different guys get to do different things. So it was definitely a fun experience. We're doing fun facts with John Jerry. You grew up in Mississippi. Your older brother went to Ole Miss. You went to Ole Miss. Was it kind of preordained that you were going to go there someday? Uh, I think any time a college is 10 minutes from your mom's house, I, don't, <laughs> I think it kind of makes it hard to go anywhere else. Um, that was a lot of fun, though, especially you know, having my brother and my cousin there. That was, that was a lot of fun. And my mom being able to come see me play every single home game, that was the most important thing for me. Was she like a team mom? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. She was definitely a team mom. Um, I can think back now on holidays, you know, she cooking big meals and bringing them over for a bunch of guys who weren't able to travel home. That's a lot of fun. Your first head coach at Ole Miss was Ed Orgeron, right. now doing so well at LSU. He's got such a thick Cajun accent, such a gravelly voice. I have a hard time understanding him. Did you? No, not at all, man. I'm from Mississippi, and people <laughs> talk probably worse than he does, so <laughs> – at the end of the day, you know, coach is doing a great job, man. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. You were a third-round draft pick by the Miami Dolphins. Describe the draft experience. It was amazing. Um, definitely a fun experience. You know, having an older brother that kind of went through that and kind of helped you prepare for it, so you kind of know what to expect a little bit. But uh, definitely a lot of excitement with the unknown. Um, not knowing when you're going to get drafted, but you're definitely grateful for whoever take the chance on you. How were your four years in Miami? 
it was it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely met a lot of friends for life and great experience for me. Um, I learned a lot there, especially you know struggling early in my career with not doing things the right way and not being accountable. But I definitely come a long way, and to see myself now, ten years later, is uh, <laughs> definitely surprising. We're visiting with John Jerry. After your time in Miami, you signed with the New York Giants and played for Tom Coughlin. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it, man. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, Getting to go learn up on the um, Coach Coughlin. A lot of guys um, can't do that. So, I mean, that says a lot about the people who can go and play for Coach Coughlin, who's a great guy and a great man. What was the best part about living close to the Big Apple? Uh, there's so much to do. I mean, there's it's so much to do. And then, um, just being in New York period, I think that was definitely something I didn't really um, anticipate being a lot of fun, but it was definitely a fun four years. Did you go to Broadway? Did your wife shop a lot there? Did you take full advantage? Yeah, I took full advantage. I, you know, I got the chance to see the World Trade Center, the Statue of Liberty, um, museums. Um, I did pretty much everything you could do there in those four years. Um, I got a chance to tour everything around the city, which is a lot of fun. It was a big city, and there's a lot to do. So after your time with the Giants, you got let go at the uh, final cuts prior to last season, and you spent a year out of football. What did you miss the most? I would say the camaraderie, um, being around the guys every single day. And, I mean, anybody can say that you won't miss it, but you definitely miss that part, just just being in the locker room around the guys and and game day. I I don't think it's nothing like waking up on game day and coming to the locker room. Did you watch football? I didn't watch NFL football at all. So, I mean, unless it was like Monday night and it was one of my buddies playing, I watch it. But other than that, I didn't too much watch too much football. So you've told us that you thought your career might be over. Right. And your wife convinced you to stick with it, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, she definitely um, convinced me to stick with it. And then, uh, you know, encouraged me to get out the house and go go back out to Arizona. And I actually trained the entire time uh, I didn't play last year. Um Fortunate enough to be able to go out to LaCharge Bentley and train that entire year last year. And um, just he definitely helped me stay prepared for this opportunity that I got. Did the lack of wear and tear help you physically? Uh, yeah, I think uh, anytime you can get a year off from doing something, but not just taking a year off, but actually just still doing something and by working out and stuff like that, I think I definitely helped myself. All right, a few more fun facts for offensive lineman John Jerry. Do you have a hidden talent? <laughs> nah, I wouldn't say I have a hidden talent. You know, I play a lot of Xbox. That's about it. What are your games? Some of every, I play some of everything. I'm, I don't play. Um, I'm not just stuck on Call of Duty or Fortnite like most guys. I'm, I'm pretty versatile. All right. Is there something that you're absolutely terrible at? Uh, well, well, lead that to my wife. She would say a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> But um, I don't think it's anything I'm just really terrible at that I would say I'm terrible at. I'm pretty sure I have my wife here. She'll tell you a lot. All right. I look forward to meeting her. I will ask her that question. <laughs> if you could meet anybody in history, athlete, politician, religious figure, entertainer, who would it be? I'd probably say Jackie Robinson. Just somebody to go through what he went through and to still – to be able to have that focus and determination to, to make the most of the opportunity that they had. That's a great choice. All right, you live in Memphis now in the off season. is that correct? That would be correct. All right, Memphis is a big tourist town. If somebody wanted to visit Memphis, where should they eat? What should they do? 
Go to Bill Street. Uh, just, that's exactly where you got to go. I mean, you'll be able to find anything, you, any type of food you want. I mean, you are going to be in the South, so it's going to be a lot of fried food. So don't think. But Memphis is known for its barbecue. I think you you come to Memphis, you got to just go downtown to Bill Street and get some barbecue. Rendezvous or something a little bit uh, more off the beaten path? Uh, it all depends on what you like. You know, you, it's a lot of good restaurants. I got a lot of favorite restaurants. I can't just name one, but it's a lot of good places. The Pyramid, the old basketball arena there, is now the world's biggest Bass Pro, Bass Pro Shop. Yes, <laughs> You're nodding. You're excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that be, something you enjoy? I'll be in there all the time. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite store in Memphis, to be honest. Um, I'm always in Bass Pro Shop getting something. I have a big lake right out behind my house, fish a lot, and from Mississippi, like to hunt a lot. And I'm definitely always off in there looking at stuff. And, you know, you can go all the way up to the ceiling and look out across the um, entire city once once you go up. So it's a lot of fun. They got a hotel in there. It's a, it's a one-stop shop. I promise you that. It's not, this Bass Pro Shop is epic. It's the most amazing use of a former basketball arena in the world. Yes, yeah, true. I would agree with that. All right, you are officially off the hot seat. Appreciate the time. Best of luck the rest of the year. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me. My thanks to John Jerry, and we want to remind you to come out and join us at our on-location radio shows this week. On Wednesday night from 6 to 8, we'll be at the Montgomery Inn Boathouse for the Bengals Game Plan Show, and our special guest in the 7 o'clock hour will be Carlos Dunlap. Then on Friday afternoon, Buffalo Wings and Rings in Finneytown will host the Bengals Pep Rally Show, and it's a half hour earlier than usual. We'll be there from 2.30 to 5.30, and we'll know the guest later this week. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. Those five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.